Now today we're going back, as I promised you, to Hebrews 10. I put them on standby that I would like to go quickly through 10 and 11. It may not be possible. It would be one verse shy of 80 verses. I don't think it's possible. But I, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to go quickly. And so if you would uh, read with me. Do you mind standing one more time? Just to, I know you'll be seated for several minutes here. Um, I hope it's not extra long. I don't mean for it to be, but I do want to cover as much as I can uh, if you can endure it. Here we go. So we're looking at uh, chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. It will come up here, all right? And, we're, and this chapter is uh, the focus of this chapter is that there's only one way to escape the judgment of God. And, of course, that is through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we're going to deal with that throughout all these 39 verses. But before we're seated, we'll pray. But I want us to read verse 1 and 2 together. Here we go. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. There, there you see our key word. There's a final perfect sacrifice. Now, I, I know you were letting me do the reading, but help me this time on verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. Now we're going to look at the three things that these verses imply, but before we do, I want us to pray. Let's lift our hearts. Father, I pray for your blessing on our study of Hebrews tonight. Lord, it is critical in these last days, maybe more than ever before, to know there is only one Savior, one way to be saved, and that's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that I will give you honor and praise and that I will love you all my days and that you will give us mighty revival in Jonesboro. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Now, let's go back to verse 1. And I'm going to, my, uh, uh, I'm going to have to probably cough. <coughs> so we're looking at verse 1. For the law having a shadow. Everyone say shadow. Now, many, many commentators take this as the main theme, but, and, and it is a theme, but we're not able to look at every single theme that's there. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. And not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers there into perfect. So <clears throat> Paul's argument is that the law couldn't make anyone perfect. It was only when Jesus Christ was manifested, when God was manifest in the flesh, that the perfect image of God had come. How many are thankful for that tonight? The perfect image came. So the law was a shadow, but it was not the exact thing. It was simply a shadow, all right, but not the very image. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Um, so the question, of course, is, is um, wouldn't they stop making sacrifice? If you made, listen, follow, it's very simple. If you can make everybody perfect, why do you keep making sacrifices? Well, because they keep going back and sinning, and there's no answer to sin. The problem is the sin question. What are we going to do about sin? Because that the worshipers, once purged, should have had no more conscience. They shouldn't have kept on sinning. If they were cleansed, they shouldn't have kept sinning all the time. In other words, it was, it was never meant to be an answer. It was not the answer to sin. Jesus is the answer to sin. The only answer to sin. Let's, keep, let's go to the next slide. We're going to go very, very quickly. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance. Everyone say remembrance. 
Now, what we're focusing on here, really, in chapter 10, we're going to look at 12 basic ideas. So I've already covered one, and, and we've talked about it. The finality of his sacrifice, the perfection of his sacrifice. And, and in the second slide, or the second group of scriptures, I'm going to gather a bunch of scriptures together, which I don't normally do. I like to just take a little phrase, and then, then we spend 14 years doing it. So I'm trying to do it here tonight quickly. But, and, and it is that sin is the ever-present problem. Now, I know that we're in a culture where we say everything's legal. You can marry anybody you want. You can marry a totem pole if you want to. You can do anything you want. That's the kind of attitude that we're seeing in our what we might think of as a postmodern culture. But I'm telling you now, sin brings with it judgment. There's no such thing as sinning against God and there not being judgment. You may say never, 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 but there will be judgment. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. In other words, you have to keep doing it. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. It's not possible. Everyone say it's not possible. All right, let's go to the next slide. And we're going to look at a, a, a number of verses. We're going to look at five, six, seven, eight. 9 and 10. They, I change color so that that way I can squeeze it together and you can at least try to follow me. Wherefore, verse 5, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou, thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Now, when we get to verse 5 in Hebrews 10, we are looking at uh, an interesting thing, and it has to do with how valuable the bible is and how it quotes the bible and how people will quibble over the way the hebrew hebrew writer is quoting from uh psalm 40 you see that see the baby jesus there and then above it it says psalm 40 verse 6 7 and 8 that is because not a single word is found in psalm 40 Anywhere, but certainly not in 6, 7, or 8, that says a body thou hast prepared me. It doesn't say that. Not in the Hebrew, not in Greek, not in the Septuagint. It's nowhere. It doesn't say that. What it says is he has, he has hollowed out my ear. That's what the Hebrew says, if you take it literally. But the, psalm, the, the, the writer of Hebrews so all you that want to go throw the Bible out now, he isn't quoting it and saying, I'll just change it to what I wanted to say. He's interpreting it. That if, in fact, the Savior had an ear, meaning, of course, his, he had been given a body or the ear that could learn the lessons to please God and be a perfect human. I want to tell you, oh, hallelujah, there is nobody like Jesus, nobody like Jesus, and no one can wash your sins away. He learned perfection. He did what was perfect, and he never sinned. So the psalmist literally, are you with me? The psalmist, now look, look at what I've done here. Look, look at the very top above the face of Mary there. Literally, that's what L-I-T means. Literally, look how I'm quoting it. See, now I put it in parentheses. You'll get the idea. A body with ears to learn or with ears. That's literally. So the, the a writer of Hebrews is taking liberty. That is to say, we might say he's interpreting. That's what I would say. It doesn't matter whichever words make you understand it better. But he became obedient even, of course, Paul tells us that in several places. So it is that this is not a direct quote. It might be more of a paraphrase. In burnt offerings and sacrifices, for sin thou hast had no... For, 
for in sin thou hast had no pleasure. All right, so he has, by giving a, a sacrifice, the, the uh, writer of Psalms is uh, showing us that God was not uh, wanting just burnt offerings. He wanted more than that. Everybody say more than that. Just walking in and offering. So this is a perfect scripture to use if you're showing that the burnt offerings have stopped. Of course, we know that right now in Israel there are no burnt offerings. There are, there's no temple. So we know that. But in the time of the Old Testament, of course, it was for centuries and centuries. And the psalmist said, David said, you're not wanting, you're sickened by sacrifices when it doesn't take care of the sin. When nobody's changed, as it were. Just like he's sick of churches. Now, I know I'm going to make somebody mad, but God doesn't want a bunch of churches where nobody is changed. Where sin isn't taken care of. Then said I, now the, the question I've not addressed here is addressed at the bottom. That in this indirect quoting, we have a prophetic conversation of God with his own humanity. Because God took on the form of man. Does anybody believe that God became a man? He took on the form of a man. Hallelujah. He is having a prophetic conversation. Now, uh, many of those that don't like what I'm saying will claim then that, well, you're in fact, one guy told me in a university, I was discussing how Jesus was both God and man. He said, well, then your God is, what did he say? Uh, your God is a, a schizophrenic? Yeah, that's the word. He said, if I believed, I was at a university teaching on the oneness of God. If I believed that God was both a man and God at the same time, then he had to be a schizophrenic. Because he ended up, listen to me, talking to himself and I said well I talked to myself and I have a PhD that didn't help him much but I was trying to help him trying to give him a little encouragement that if God chose to prophetically speak through the ages sacrifices are not enough but a body that has prepared me and he wants to speak to his human image he can do so in fact I've talked to myself today several times not really meaning to hey I don't really call my name but to help you understand, I'll do it. Hey, French, you need to pray more. You need to get in there. Come on, get up, pray. Lift your hands. Praise God. You need to glorify God. You need to pray. You need to ask God for his divine purpose. And will. I've talked to myself all day long. But God, in this instance, speaks prophetically to his own human son. That is prophetic because the son's not born. Now, the Trinitarians, of course, wish for us to believe that the Father and the Son spoke together in eternity, and there's not just two, there's three, and so on. I don't believe that for one minute. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above, that is, up, up in these other scriptures, when he said, sacrifice and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by law, then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh, and would say, praise the Lord, because I'm gonna, that's, we're gonna about to turn the corner here. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Therefore, how many knows that can't be two gods talking to each other? Anybody listening to me? Okay, that can't be two gods talking to each other. You can't say you're my God if you're a God. 
Can't say that. It has to either be human talking to divine or something else. By the way, there are no two divines. Praise God. Hallelujah. We serve an almighty God. Hallelujah. And if he's got all the might, nobody else has any. He's got all the might. My breath comes from him. My life comes from him. One God, that's it. Okay, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go to the next one. Now we're moving on to verse 10, and let's read it to get, well, not this one. The, 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 the King James translators have, listened to how it's translated. By the which will we are sanctified. Okay, nobody talks like that today. So I find that a little difficult to catch precisely what is being meant when you say, by the which will. That's an old phrasing, but and I'm not opposed to it. It's simply not clear. It simply means by that will, that is the will we have just talked about, the will of God. Everybody say praise the Lord. We are sanctified. So listen to me. Everybody say praise the Lord. Are you still awake? Are you okay? Can you, praise, can you lift your hands and praise God for just a moment? Father, help us tonight. Lord, I pray for anointing and strength and let us, let us be energized by your word. All right. So by that will, that is God's will, we are sanctified. Now, folks, listen to me. Holiness is not the idea of the United Pentecostal Church. Dressing modestly is not the idea of a pastor over on Terra Boulevard sanctification is God's will. It is his will. That will of God and through that will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And everyone say once for all. So the imagery here is, of course, the day of atonement. So what the writer is showing us is that the... uh, Sacrifice of Jesus is being compared to the Old Testament atonement. Now let's go just a little bit further. Now we're going to move to another glob of scriptures. We're going to do it very, very quickly. Can you read, uh, just don't, don't be too hard on me, but can you read any of the scripture that's to the left there? I know it's hard. I put it so small. Some of you are shaking your head like you just could read it from the back. Go out there in the parking lot. You can read it. Um, and some of you, I know it's very difficult. So I'm going to read it quickly. But first of all, let's look at it. God can never be blamed. This is a, uh, what, what slide am I on? This is slide five. So I'm on the fifth point. So we've got 12. God can never be blamed for your sinfulness, your disobedience, your imperfection, your apathy, and your unrighteousness. If you rent a dirty movie, that's on you. If you fill your heart with ungodly music, that's on you. Don't say, I'm going to heaven and God doesn't care. God has always cared. He cares now. That's good. That's good. That's good. Okay. So provision for you to be holy and perfect is provided for eternally. That is to say, one sacrifice. If you want to be holy, you can't go to Buddha. You can't go to some other god. You can't go to Shinto. You can't go to any other religion. You must go to Jesus Christ. You step before Jesus Christ, and he can cleanse you and make you holy. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let's begin in verse 11. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So they just keep offering. They, this, they never get rid of the sin problem. They just keep offering it. But this man, verse 12, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. 
from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So what's I believe I've been intrigued lately and working on a, a, I wouldn't say a message, but uh, working on this idea of his enemies being his footstool. I find it intriguing, and it's, it's used five times in Hebrews. And I've always, often wondered, uh, what, what, is it, what do you mean that you're going to use them as your footstool? And so I've come to at least a preliminary uh, conclusion that they would put their foot on the neck of the enemy. And so it was like a symbol. I want to tell you something, my friend. The devil is a defeated foe. And he knows it. Praise God. Come on, let's clap our hands one more time. The devil is a defeated foe. That's why you should stay humble with God. The minute you become, listen, no, 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 you're not listening to me. Arrogance is of the devil. I don't care if you've got 17 PhDs and a twiddle DD. I don't care what you've got. Arrogance is from the devil. And every time someone, someone said, but I'm now, boy, you I'm a bigwig. I don't touch me. I'm a bigwig. That's of the devil. Okay. I, all right. I'll move on. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, everyone say one, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hallelujah. In other words, now, whoa, 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 whoa. I know what some think. He perfects me forever. Now I can go rob a bank. Yes, that's exactly. I talk to people every day. Oh, I'm a Christian. I never go to church and I'm full of sin. But I was saved 70 years ago. Sorry, my friend. You're not saved. Your perfection was not to perfect you to be a sinner. Your perfection was to save you to be a saved individual. That's what God has done. He has saved you from your sins. For by one offering at Calvary, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You don't ever have to go to any other sacrifice. (laughs) Hallelujah. You just keep going back to the same shed blood. So if your marriage isn't what it should be, you can go back to the blood and you can say, sanctify me, Lord. Hallelujah. If your heart's not what it should be, you can say, cleanse me, Jesus. Same sacrifice. Perfected forever. There'll never be another. No liberal theologian will ever be able to make it possible that you might could be saved through some other religion because no other religion can save your soul. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost also was a witness to us. For after that, he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. Of course, this is Jeremiah. We're not going to pause here. Uh, that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds, and I will and will uh, will I write them. Praise God. Some of you might need to get uh, a hold of this. Some say, "Well, oh, I I didn't know I shouldn't do that." Well, that was supposed to have been written in your heart. You're out sinning, and you didn't know. That's written in your heart. But you know what some people do? They get a hold of God and then they just go ahead and do whatever they want to do and displease God. And then they think God's okay with it because he doesn't strike them down with lightning. You know why he doesn't strike people down with lightning? Because he's a God of love and mercy. But judgment is coming. That's exactly what this chapter is about. Everybody say praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission 
of these is there is no more offering for sin. So we have need no more bulls, goats, anybody, no other man, woman, boy, girl, child, no one, because we have an eternal sacrifice. Can you clap your hands and say praise the Lord? Amen. All right, now we're going to verse 19. If they will go with me here, there they are. All right, now we're looking at two things. First of all, if you're planning uh, or not planning or don't want to go to heaven, believe me, you won't. Nobody is going to heaven by accident. Verse 19, having therefore brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness holiest by the blood of Jesus. I've got holiness on my mind. Hallelujah. Praise God. Boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Can we thank him for what price he paid at Calvary? Can we do that for just a moment? Lord, we're, st- we're thinking of your word, but we're also praising you for what you have done. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Amen. That is through his coming and through his sacrifice. In fact, we could say, I don't want to, I don't want to pause too long here, but when we say that it was done through his body, he prepared him a body, doesn't mean that his body saved us alone. Oh, he just had a body, wouldn't ever have to have breath in it. But it was his sacrifice. So the body is then being compared to the, to the larger picture. The body is the sacrifice, but it's the entire sacrifice. In other words, this is all being compared to like a heavenly day of atonement where Jesus' body and his blood are sprinkled. He, it isn't actually sprinkled. Nobody went around sprinkling. Nobody came to me and had to sprinkle blood on me. I had one professor at university said, well, tell me, you guys, you Christians are just so bloody. I said, I mean, because we... we we have a savior who shed his blood. I said, do you feel that way about the soldiers that give their lives for their country? Are you squeamish about men or women that die and they give their, their shed their blood? I said, there's no way in the world I'm going to be squeamish about praising him for his shed blood. It was the blood that took me through. Hallelujah. So what I'm trying to say, of course, is whether you say flesh or body or blood, Nobody means only the blood. It's that it had to be, it couldn't have just been a bucket of blood. It had to be come along with a perfect person. It was a perfect individual. He shed his blood. He went into hell and he took the keys from Satan. All right, so so it is. Now, uh, this is going to be even tougher to read, so I'm going to read the next two. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. Of faith. So the first thing we see is we've had access. Everybody say access to enter into the uh, presence of the Lord. Oh, mercy. Hold on just one moment. I would like to use this. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, which is what chapter 11 is all about. So what chapter 11 took me some time in my Christian walk to figure out how 10, which is all about the judgment and the high priest, what that sin is going to be judged. You have to have a high priest, you have to have shed blood. Jesus is it. It's perfect. How does, what, how does that relate to faith? And then, of course, through the years, it became clearer that when we begin to looking at faith, we're looking at 
from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve, it always took faith. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Someone say, well, they were saved by law. No, they weren't. They were never saved by law. They were always saved by faith. By faith, Noah built a boat. Hallelujah. He built a boat. Praise God. Praise God. And that, I I should go further, but I, I want to hurry. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our what? Does that say bodies? Well, I don't know. That can't say bodies. Someone get your Bible out. I want to double check this. Could we get the scholars, please? Uh, Verse, uh, let's see. Let's count it down. 19, 20, 21, 22. Is it 23? 22. Is it verse 22? All right, verse 22. Let me read it again. Does it start with let us draw near with the true heart? In full assurance. Is that correct? All right, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our. I need some of the scholars here. I need those of you with really lots of education. I need you to check and make sure that says your bodies. Hmm. 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 I keep finding this in Paul's writings. It's not just my heart. Let's try it again. Let us draw near with a what? True heart and full assurance of faith. Having our what? Our heart sprinkled. Okay, there it is from an evil conscience. And, everybody say and. Everybody say and. It's more than just your heart. It's more than just your mind. It's more than just what's inside of you. Holiness takes care of your heart and your body. Yes, it does. Let's clap our hands and thank God for it. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I like that. Praise God. Let's go on. Verse 23. And I wonder now, since I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, turn the corner here just a little bit. I wonder if you could read with me. I'm going to read 23. Can you look up and see if you can read it? Now, the, the red that's there, if you can see it, first it's, a, first it's in black, let us hold fast, and then it's in red. That's just the, uh, oh, no, that's not true. The red is, is verse 24. I'm sorry. And then, there, then in the brackets, we have the Hallman. Let me see if I can get it. This may be why I don't use it very much. The Hallman Christian standard Bible. It's the official Bible of a certain big giant uh, group in America. It doesn't matter who they are, but it's their Bible. They translated, they, they spent years working on it. And about three people have bought it. It's, it's just unbelievable. But anyway, it's, um, it's, so it's called the HCSB. That's probably why. What do you got there? Well, I've got my HCSB. No, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm making... Uh, more of it than I should. But I want you to read the two verses that are in black and red. Here we go. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, I just happen to like this translation. I've checked about 12 I've thought of this verse many times because I will get a spirit the minute I mention it. 
The King James is fine, but I want you to hear it in a, I could have translated it. I wanted to present it from a uh, uh, fairly, uh, uh, (laughs) well, I don't know what to call this translation. It's not very popular, but it's one of the largest denominations in America did it. So I would assume that their smartest Greek scholars and Hebrew scholars translated it. So I'm going to read it. And let us be concerned about one another in order that we can get more money out of it. Oh, I'm sorry. Let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love. Concern... See, a lot of us are just ready to jump up and down if it's a, a high priest in the heavens and talking in tongues. But the minute it says, why aren't you caring about one another? Why, why aren't you uh, promoting love in and amidst the body of Christ? Some people think, now you listen to me. Some people think that holiness people are nothing just mean people. Because they think anybody that has to do something. And I want to, I want to be clear. I'm going to say it right here. I'm going to step up here. You don't live holy. You're going to hell. You're not going to heaven and living unholy. And I know people will squibble. Oh, well, what about this and that? No, no, no. It's just this simple. Now, I, I, Lord, forgive me. Help me, Jesus. You cannot go to heaven and live an unrighteous life. You can't go to heaven and be unholy. It requires holiness to see God. It requires it. So I have these intelligent friends that say, well, the Lord made me holy. I'm talking scholars in universities. Tell me, all that means is God made me holy. I'm not holy. He makes me holy. I said, well, which is it? He made you holy or you're not holy. Which is it? If he made you a millionaire, are you a millionaire or are you not a millionaire? No, you're not getting it, Talmadge. He made me holy. He says I'm holy, but I'm not. He's blind. No, no, I'm I'm talking about an actual conversation. God is blind. He can't see me. One guy said, Talmadge, you know how I just did that and I just lied and did up. The Lord couldn't see any of it. He sees me. No, no, this is an actual conversation. Man had a PhD. Man wasn't kidding. He sees me through the blood. He never sees my sin. I said, well, your God may be blind, but my God saw everything you did in there. Yep. He saw everything you did. He knows your heart. So I don't even see a reason why holiness people have to be mean. We just have to be truthful, honest, and love people. Promote holiness with one another. Not compromise. Listen, compromise is not love. You don't say, well, okay, go ahead and climb on the bridge there, baby. No, 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 that's not love. Love says get off that bridge. Come on, get down from there because you love someone, and that's exactly what you would do. We need to promote love in the midst of the church, and when we do, I want to tell you, when we have a revival of love at the same time that we have holiness, we're going to change this city. Hallelujah. Can we just lift our hearts and praise him? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, Father, forgive me. All right, I wasn't, I wasn't meaning to stop. Or let us consider one another. Now, the last, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, which, of course, means that if you're going to hold fast, 
Someone said, I'm holding fast, and you're, but you're missing church more than you're. I mean, you, you can make every tennis match, and you can get the attendance award everywhere else, but the house of God is nothing to you. You're not holding on. You need to be in the house of God every time the doors are open. And you need to be in prayer meeting. You need to be in worship. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in Sunday evangelistic. You need to be in Sunday school. You need to be in everything the church is doing and loving people. Someone said, nobody missed me. Uh, Well, of course they did, but we're not coming to be seen. We're coming to touch other lives and your, your thought should be, I can't wait to get in the altar. Can we just pray that God will send a revival of the power of the Holy Ghost in our altars? Father, we thank you for it, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. We give you praise and lift your name. But exhorting one another, let's read, let's read verse 25 together. Do you see it? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's how you hold on. Let us hold fast. Get a grip on it. The profession of our faith. Okay, verse 26. Here we go. Uh, We're going to go quickly now. Now, I want to read these verses quickly, but I want you to see that what Hebrews is talking about, and we're going to do it quickly since I've been, uh, the chapter is about holiness, and we've been showing it repeatedly, but now we come to the issue of confusing the holy and the unholy, which is pretty much where we are in America today. We're confusing the holy and the unholy. We're calling what is unholy. For example, if a movie star thinks it's okay, then that should be our law. Just make that law. You could um, uh, just, you know, never get married and whatever else the movie star thinks you should do. But I don't intend to live my life by what Hollywood says, ever, now or ever. If it means they got to lock me in the jail cell, that's what they're going to do because I am not going to live my life according to sinful men. I'm going to live my life according to the word of God because sinful men call unholy things holy. And, of course, it's becoming increasingly militant. In other words, you either do it or else. That's where America is going. But, of course, I feel like the rapture is coming so quickly, I, I, do I even need to mention it? But let's, let's read uh, 26 through 29, shall we? For if we sin willfully, everyone say sin, all right? If we sin willfully, so we're talking about confusing sin and holiness. For if we sin willfully, after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. There is no other If you think that sin will be taken care of and you can keep on sinning and you're still okay, then there is no more sacrifice. No sacrifice. Are you with me? No sacrifice covers me to continue on sinning. I'm supposed to be freed from sin. Everybody say praise the Lord. 
And therefore, when I get right with God, I have to be holy. I have to come back to God. If I, make, if I do wrong or sin or make a mistake or backslide, I have to come back to God and repent. I don't go say, well, it doesn't matter now. It does matter. Everybody say, praise the Lord. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. That is to say, you're going to be judged. You're not going to be patted on the back. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. So in other words, he's throwing that verse in to say that even under the law, you would die because of sin. So surely you don't think that under Jesus, you can just sin all you want to. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. They're confusing the holy and the unholy. They think that sin is okay, but sin is not okay. Let's clap our hands and thank God for the truth that changes our lives and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. Now, I want to hurry. I know you want me to hurry, but let's pause one second. And it done despite. Do you see that at the bottom there? It done despite. We're in the verse 29. Done despite. Now, what I did is I added in the meaning of the word despite without any explanation. And I'm just going to go with that for now. And have done despite unto the spirit of grace. Hath done and outraged and outraged the spirit. When you say God condones evil, you are outraging or despiting, but despiting is a rather old word. You are outraging the spirit. And I believe that God is outraged with our nation and our plundering of religious truths for whatever gain they think it will bring them. Even religious people who say, oh, good, now we can go do so-and-so. It's an outrage to the spirit. Does everyone know what an outrage is? You ever heard of something being outrageous? Because that takes us maybe the wrong road there. But the spirit is outraged, and we need to pray for America we need to pray not just for elections, folks. We need to do more than pray for elections. I vote in every election. But I do not believe that an election is going to change the course of a man's soul. What has got to happen is we need to pray for America, that God will send a spiritual revival to America. You say, well, Brother Finch, that's not possible. I'm just going to let them all go to hell. That's not the will of God. God wants us to pray for America, pray for our neighbors, pray for, hey, I don't know what the politicians are going to do, but I know what God can do. He can change my neighbor. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and pray for them. Father, we pray for this county. We ask for your touch and your anointing and ask you to let the Holy Ghost move in us and speak to our hearts. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. So thank you. Thank you for, I know you, I'm taking a little time here. All right, now let's go to verse 30. For we know him that hath said, vengeance belongeth to me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing. To fall into the hands of a living God. Of course, he's ending the entire chapter with the subject of judgment. And so it is. You have two choices. Either it's the shed blood 
or you're going to be judged for sin. It, there's no option. It, it's not because God is mean. Oh, God is mean. And that's not fair. I don't see what it matters. Why can't we live like we want? I want to marry who I want, a man or a woman, boy, girl. doesn't make it. I do whatever. Folks, we're either going to have the shed blood of Jesus change our lives or we are going to be judged by God. Now, listen to me. Young, young people, listen to me. I don't care what the world is saying. You have to be responsible to God for yourself. You have to say, Father, I surrender myself to you. I love you and I praise you and I want to serve you because I know that my judgment is going to come at the hands of God. Verse 33. Let's keep going. I'm trying to hurry. I'm, I'm almost there. Now, this one's... I've. I almost took it out, but let's leave it. It's not the time for letting go. Does anybody believe that? That, of course, is the underlying theme of the entire book of Hebrews, but it's being, uh, this is not a Hebrew that you're looking at. You know that. I won't say because I don't want anybody in, uh, out there to know what we're looking at here. It's not the time for letting go, so you've got to keep holding on. Young people, it's important that you recognize that you're, you're not going to find hope and answers in sin and, and, and immorality. You're, and, and listen, listen, folks, if you're listening to singing by people and all they can sing about is adultery, you need to take that to the trash can where it belongs. You need to get rid of it. You need to, you need to start thinking about wholesome things and hold on to the gospel now let's go to the next one i know you don't want to leave that but we will for just a moment now i'm going to read from the esv all right this is my uh this is the one translation that i use the most it's over the last three or four or five years because and that's as long as i've been here maybe before that because of certain things it stays very close to the king james but of course it's got problems but i do like these one two three four five verses but recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. So I'm not reading the King James for these five verses. I'm reading the ESV, which is the English, uh, yeah, the English standard. Is that what that stands for? English standard. All right. So the first thing that Hebrews is telling us is you can never go back into darkness. You must always remember you've been called into the light. Can we thank God for that? Praise God. We've been enlightened. We've been given light. And then because of that light, we were able to face hardship. Sometimes being publicly exposed to, re, to reproach. I, that shouldn't have an ED. And, and I typed it in wrong. And affliction. And sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession. And an abiding one. So we must never lose sight of our heavenly home. We've got to keep our eyes on heaven. Stay out of the darkness. Keep our eyes on the light that's ahead. A heavenly city. A reward that is better than anything this world's got to offer. Then, therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has uh, great reward. For you have need of endurance. Everyone say, I do. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And so thirdly, what we must do, never go back to darkness, keep our eyes on heaven and always do the will of God. Praise God. Can we just clap our hands and tell him, Father, I want to do your will, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's, uh, okay, a couple more verses. Here we go. Jesus is coming and so is judgment. And yet, 
the apathy of sin cannot comprehend it. The sin keeps people, uh, sometimes the Bible calls it blindness. Sometimes people calls it uh, like uh, different things where it lullabies us, it it lulls us, it drifts us away. All kinds of uh, metaphors for what sin does. But I'm using the word apathy because that's exactly what it is. Sin makes you think no judgment, no hell. We're having fun. Those fuddy dud preachers, who cares? Nobody really knows. Everybody dies anyway. There's no eternity. But I've got news for you, friend. Jesus is coming, and the church is alive and well. So you need to get ready. Now, for yet a little while, verse 37, could we read it together? For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. And will not tarry. Let's stand together. We're going to read it one more time. We only got another verse or two. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now that was written a long time ago. We're reading it much closer to the coming of the Lord than when... Hebrews wrote that. What if we are reading that and the rapture will take place within days? Because he that will come or shall come, he that shall come, or we could just say it, translate it. He that's going to come is going to come. That's what it actually said. But to kind of give it a little flavor there, he that shall come will come and will what? He will not wait. He's going to come just in time. Praise God. So you say, so as you're praying for your family and you're praying for your children and people that you love and you know that there is an eternity. God knows your prayer. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could just pray that God will save every member of our family tonight. Father, I thank you because you're coming and we are preparing ourselves. Lord, we are not, uh, we are not slacking off. We are preparing ourselves. And we thank you for it and give you praise. All right, let's read verse uh, 38, shall we? Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Of course, this is from Habakkuk, and that's an interesting little side, but we'll we'll just leave it rest for a moment. But I'd like us to read the last verse of chapter 10 before we're dismissed here. And let's read it aloud. Uh, hold, hold on, hold on just one sec. My, all right, we're going to read verse 39 together, shall we? But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Can we just clap our hands and thank God for his word tonight? Praise God. I don't understand people that think they can just do anything they want. Walk away from God and everything's going to be okay. Because it will not be okay. You're walking away to your own destruction. But the church is living in the salvation of the power of the Spirit of God. 
Is anybody hungry for a touch of the Holy Ghost tonight? Can we just lift our hands and ask him to pour the spirit out upon us? Pour it on your children and your home and your life. Father, I pray that our attitudes and our spirit and our hearts, Lord, that we will measure them in light of your coming. That we will be able to to be filled with love as we preach the unadulterated word of God. And I pray for everyone here tonight. Lord, for their families and their loved ones, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I pray that loved ones will be saved. Restore homes. Restore lost loved ones, Lord. Sinners. Lord, I pray that you will bring back the backslider and let the power of the Holy Ghost get a hold of them. Come on, let's pray another moment. I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's ask God to send conviction to the backslider. I pray, oh God, that you will allow the Holy Spirit to draw the sinner, to draw the backslider back to God. Lord, I know they may not admit it as long as they can feel it, Lord. That's what we pray. Bring them home in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. How many love the word of God tonight? Isn't God good? His word is true. God's going to help us. We're going to walk with God. We're going to have revival. Hallelujah. I'm going to have revival. Praise God. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Father, right now, thank you for the word. Thank you for every saint of God. Thank you for the revival that's coming. Let us, Lord, receive it by faith. Keep your hand upon us. Heal our sick, oh God. Raise them up and allow your power to be manifest, Lord, and touch our generation, and we'll give you praise. Keep us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You're dismissed. Shake hands. Greet one another in Jesus' Jesus name. Hallelujah.